you know, so like, for instance, I, I saw your, uh, your special lady friend, uh, saw a picture of her with, uh, with the collar on. Yeah. You know? She was, uh, she was at the Florida Capitol, uh, this week. Good luck. I like that. I like the, cause she had like a blue, like a pastel yeah. blue. Yeah. It's funny. She's gotten a lot of compliments on that color blue of her, her clerical <laughs> nice collar picture. shirt. Yeah. Not, not to be creepy. Um, but Marianne and I have been talking about that and because we, we've got a couple of CBF friends, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship for people who don't know us, uh, CBF friends who uh, were callers. And, it, you know, maybe not every day, but at least like during the week and that kind of stuff. And, and if they're, if they're going, do, like what your partner was doing or if, uh, if they're in the pulpit. And so I, I've started doing this thing now where I preach, um, even if I'm preaching at a CBF church, I, I robe up and I put on my stole because I'm a gentleman. Of course. <laughs> gentle, gentle clergy. <laughs> gentle clergy. The gentle clergy from Mullins. <laughs> I'm not a big city clergy. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, I like that. I always feel out of place. So uh, Mariana and I were, were talking about that and she's like, well, won't you, why don't you get a, get a collar? You're ordained. And I'm like, yeah, but that, that feels like I'm cheating, you know, cause I'm not a pastor per se. And I don't want to be like, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I don't want to be a violent but, so, with my collar on, even though so my, my chaplain at Wofford, who I love, who I've talked about before, Reverend Skinner uh, in undergrad, he wore a collar to everything and, and he would always have the black shirt with a white collar on. And, and I loved it, you know, and he would put like the blazer on, on top of it and, it was, it was a badass move, you know, a baller move. It's a sharp look. You know who looks really good, who does this really good? Uh, Broderick Greer. Do you follow him? He's an Episcopal priest. Um, I follow him on Twitter, Broderick Greer. Um, he is, yeah, sharp, and he wears a collar most of the time, I think. So, yeah, Trinity wears um, – mostly she robes, like, you know, at church on Sunday and doesn't wear a collar. But, you know, she does one of those kind of public events like that um, just so it's clear, you know, that, you know, she's a pastor. Um and it does, but we've got, we've got friends who are pastors who wear collar all the time and, you know, go out, you know, drinking with them. They'll go out after work, have a drink with the collar on. It doesn't matter. You know, so it's a, here's a little, little tip and, and you know this, but people who listen to the show probably don't. Um, it, it wouldn't be a big jump for me because I wear the same thing every day. Not this, but it's true. But I've got five pairs of, of and I just ordered two more, um, with your birthday present. And uh, the they kind of go in rotation, and like every year, so you know, I'll, I'll face them out, and then I have two pairs of Levi five hundred ones, and then a couple of pairs of Vans, and then like an overshirt that I wear, but it's that you know, it's that black shirt underneath, and I'm like, it wouldn't be a far stretch just to throw a collar on that, but anyway, because and I consider it kind of as my, you know, my my own investment, and it helps helps me uh, go through the day. So my question is, can you get like a like a tactical collar because for, for people who might not know exactly what your like everyday outfit is, it's, it's definitely on the tactical side, right? So what would a tactical collar be like, right? Is it one that you could pull off that, that um, would kind of work like a grappling hook as well? <laughs> so like here on my little, my man purse bag, my expedition bag that looks very military. I've got my don't tread on me patch on top here in Velcro. So I, I could, I could get a Velcro. Yeah, you know, that kind that, of quick that, action when you got to, you know, throw it on or rip it off. You just never know. <laughs> well, the reason I like these, the reason I like these ex officio shirts is that you don't have to wash them. 
and you can you know like say somehow you you get thrown onto a plane and you wind up in, in a country where you're not familiar with with the people and uh you know you can't find a wash machine or or, or you know running water to wash your clothes i could wear this thing for three days and it wouldn't smell it happens it happens yeah i've worn this i've worn these shirts overnight and you know and i've gone to a meeting you know in new york city flown back never changed and it was fine but also wash my hair with pep soap and yeah kind of kind of like that that is funny yeah my plan for like the zombie apocalypse is i'm going to sam's bunker so <laughs> well stocked i replenished the uh the mres last week so yeah. we're good for another three years now yeah we got a plan we got a plan just make it from tallahassee to columbia we'll meet right that'll be easy yeah that's yeah. the that's that's the easy part, I guess. I've got a hideout in the Appalachians. I'll, I'll send you the uh, the GPS coordinates. Yeah, drop drop a pin for me. Think I'm think I'm laughing. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I, I was excited. So this week was you know refresh the stock week. So shirts and and uh, and uh, you know the, the the rations for the zombie apocalypse and all that good stuff. But it, it you know not not to make light of it, but you know as we are talking about that. Shit happens in this world, and uh, holy crap, this week was was um, a tough week. It was, um, I don't know. So we're recording Friday night. Um, I imagine by the time everybody's listening to this, they've. I mean, I can't imagine some you know that you haven't heard about the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, um, and. I don't know. You know, it feels like, you know, we're two days gone, obviously, you know, we're kind of um, processing it a little bit differently now than maybe we were two days ago. And, and, and I don't, I don't know, you know, maybe how our listeners processed it. Um, but you would think this would not hit us as hard each time, but I don't know. It, w- it hit me very hard this time, particularly on Ash Wednesday, you know, going to service, uh, you know, remember your dust and, you know, to dust you will return. And, you know, thinking about what that says about the, you know, the brevity of life and, right, but it's not supposed to be that short, right? You're not supposed to have high schoolers cut down, not supposed to have gym teachers. Gym teachers shouldn't be heroes in the sense of they're jumping in front of bullets to save their students. You know, janitors shouldn't be heroes in the sense of stopping uh, classes in the hall and telling them, you know, to turn around and go lock themselves in a closet. Um, that's not the hero we need, right? Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it, um, yeah, it hit me, it hit me really hard. I mean, they, they kind of all do. Um, but, you know, looking at, this is the 18th school shooting we've had this year. We're halfway through February. And I mean, I don't know, right? We can, we know, we can track it out every single time what the conversation is going to be. We know who's going to say what. Um, and I think it's pretty easy to get defeated, right? To become numb, to feel like nothing's going to change. I, It feels that way a lot. I think we can change things. I think you got to do it electorally. It's not going to happen with the current make up in Congress or in most of our state houses. Um, 
Unless they hear the sign behind you. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Right, exactly. So there you go. Just a, another day in the life. I mean, that, that's the thing to me. Like, the, the violence is, like, we, we have normalized the violence in such a way, you know, that, that it's, it's like, okay, well, when's the next one? You know, it's not, what can we do to stop this and, and prevent this from happening again? It's, we have, we have apparently as a society decided, this is a sacrifice we are willing to make. This is a cost we are willing to pay. We are willing to sacrifice our children up to this, you know, these idols. And I don't know any other way to, to interpret where we are as a society. Right. Nothing happened after Sandy Hook. Nothing happened after Pulse. Nothing happened after Las Vegas. Nothing's going to happen after Parkland. Right. So, I mean, I, how, I mean, I don't, I can't figure out another way to read where we are as a country other than somehow as a society, we have decided this is a sacrifice we are willing to make. I don't know. 30, 40, 50 times a year to appease whomever, All right? Whatever idols we are kneeling down before, whatever idols we are willingly offering our children up to be slain before. Did you see the, uh, the article in the New York Review of Books by Gary Wills called R. Moloch? I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I apologize if you can hear my kid. I'm... <laughs> working from home tonight. Uh, few crimes are more harshly forbidden in the Old Testament than sacrifice to the god Moloch. Man, Leviticus, blah, blah, blah. The sacrifice referred to was of living children consumed in the fires of offering to Moloch. Every, ever since then, worship of Moloch has been the sign of a deeply degraded culture. Ancient Romans justified the destruction of Carthage by noting that children were sacrificed to Moloch there. Milton represented Moloch as the first pagan god who joined Satan's war on humanity. First Moloch poured king besmeared with blood of human sacrifice and parents' tears. Therefore the noise and drums and timbrels loud, their children's cries and heard that passed through the fire to his grim idol. That's from Paradise Lost, of course. But I, I you know, knowing what I know about the Old Testament, I think that's a pretty apt uh connection there. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't know. I mean, we don't have kids. I can't even imagine what it's like to have kids right now. Right. And you, and you have these high schoolers and they've been, you know, wonderfully articulate in ways that they shouldn't have to be at that age, you know, saying that, yeah, they joked if anybody was going to shoot up the school, it was going to be this kid. Right? And yes, we're hearing today and there was reporting coming out today. The FBI, you know, apparently mishandled a tip they got a month ago or something like that. Definitely need to look into that process. But, you know, the, these high school kids are, they know what the problem is. These teachers know what the problem is. They're more than willing to, you know, call out our elected leaders at the local and national levels and to say, you know, you've got to do something. When we have, you know, adults who are unwilling to, say what needs to be said, unwilling even to have the conversation 
right? Unwilling even to ask questions, unwilling to let any federal money go to even research the the problem, right. even figure out what our what underlying issues might be, right? What we might be able to do to stop some of this, right? So I had a yeah, I had a um, a good short conversation with a friend this morning talking about this. You know, he's politically conservative. I'm obviously not politically conservative. Right, but the same, you know, he's asking the same questions like, why do people don't need guns like this? And uh, you know, nobody's even willing to have the conversation. And the thing I think is, I think a lot of people are, and I think we don't realize that, right? Because we're in our own camps and this and that, um, and we hear this national narrative, uh, and that's what's presented to us, and. And the loudest voices on both sides, on every side, are always getting the attention. But I think most people are like us, right? They're, you know, maybe conservative, moderate, liberal. But on this, most people have, you know, generally moderate views. Like, yeah, maybe if you're, you know, accused of domestic violence, we should, maybe you shouldn't have guns because we have clear data that shows that, you know, people with a history of domestic violence tend to escalate. Um, you know, yeah, if you have a history of mental illness, maybe you shouldn't have guns. There's a, you know, um, broad support on that. Of course, President uh, President Trump just, you know, last year uh, weakened uh, an Obama era policy on that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of areas that we agree on where I feel like probably you know, this is an interesting thing because I don't you know, largely believe in kind of a silent majority much anymore on a lot of issues, but this may be one where we, we really do have a, a fairly silent uh, majority um, on a number of, you know, steps that we could take as a society. That's not, you know, I want to take away your guns completely and melt them down. Though, honestly, you know, if that's the decision we make, so we stop offering our children up for slaughter, I'll give my guns up. Yeah, it's it's just you know our, our country in the modern era, at least since the introduction of broadcast and and kind of the media that that permeates our culture, where you know we're all watching Walter Cronkite or Dan Rather or call whatever, and now the internet's um, in in the modern sense, the the gun has been much more than just um, you know. And that's been true since the country's founding. And yeah, the Second Amendment is troublesome, depending on how you read it. But it's like the Bible. And you're not going to change someone's idea or someone's um, epistemology about how they think of the Bible or the guns or, or their, their hermeneutic about how they read the Bible or, or read the Constitution or, or hear the Constitution. Because like the Bible, most people don't read the Constitution ponder the second amendment and go read off of case law just like most people don't read you know bellhausen and and you know on all the way all right good old form yeah so, you know we ask a lot of people when we say this is a democracy but it's it's a it's a responsibility that we've taken it upon ourselves and it, it really seems that in this modern era we we've succumbed to kind of going along with you know, these easy and quick things to latch onto, these these easy Bible verses to post. You know, I, I have heard your cries and I will heal I will heal you from I will heal you. 
which if you read all of second Kings 20, like that is not a comforting passage, but it looks damn good on Pinterest, but that's not the point of that. And, and King Hezekiah is getting healed, but he's going <laughs> to just a few verses later, like turn over, uh, Judah to, or Judea to, uh, to the Babylonians. And, and God gets pissed at him after he gives him 50 more years, both in Isaiah and in second Kings. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, people don't read, people don't think about these things, and I get that. But again, in this, in this Gary Wilk article, the gun is not a mere tool, a bit of technology, a political issue, a point of debate. It is an object of reverence. Devotion to it precludes interruption with the sacrifices it entails. Like most gods, it does what it will and cannot be questioned. Its acolytes, its acolytes uh, think it is capable of only good things. It guarantees life, safety, and freedom. It even guarantees law. Law grows from it. Then how can law question it? Uh, adoration of Moloch permeates the country, imposing a hushed silence as he works with his will. One cannot question his rights, even as blood is gushing through the idol's teeth. The White House spokesman invokes the silence of tradition of, of traditional uh, in religious ceremony. It is not the time to question Moloch. No time is right for showing disrespect for Moloch. Which, you know, we breaking out of reading that. Which is what we've heard now over and over is like, well, let's not politicize the issue. Now it's to you know talk about that and 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 and, yeah. and and Rick Scott today, you know, governor of Florida, said the exact same thing he said after the Pulse nightclub meeting. Like, right. we will do everything in our power to make sure this never happens again. And here we are. But this and here we are again. You know, not not that adults' lives mean less, but you know. Kids. And and if you're going to go down the path of saying it's, you know, you can kill people with hammers and knives, look at Europe. I get that too, but I own guns. I mean, yeah. a lot less effectively. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm joking about guns and I've got my little Maxpedition pack here with a handgun in it, but I have a license for that. And I'm trained with it and all that stuff. Uh, but if you, if you look at the path that led to this week and that terrible event, there were multiple multiple people who who spoke up and stepped in and said, "This kid is trouble. This guy, this adult, this young white male, this young white Latino Hispanic slash white male, you know, whatever his background derivation that he was uncomfortable with, depending on if you're reading 4chan or Reddit or Twitter." <laughs> God, um, this young white male was having issues, and. We need to look at that. I mean, expelled from school. We, you, you've got friends who are calling the FBI. If for for the president and Congress people and senators to say, well, you know, we, we've got to do better about mental health issues and, and making sure that all the right checks are in place to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen, and then to repeal things like, you know, a ban on people with mental health issues being able to buy AR-15s last February, like. Trump did, and, and many senators and Congress people, Democrat and Republican, um, kind of didn't object to and stood in favor of, and didn't really raise a big stink about. Uh, there, there's a, a much bigger systemic issue in our country. Um, Adam Putnam is the current agricultural commissioner of the state of Florida, and he's running for governor. Um, he slipped um, a. Um, a provision into an ag bill that was supposed to be heard 
yesterday, on Thursday, the day after the shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. The provision says that under current law, if you're getting a background check and it's held up, you can't get a gun while there's a holdup. You have to wait. Uh, His provision was that if you're getting a background check and it's held up, you can still go ahead and purchase a gun while you're waiting for it to come through. And then apparently if it comes back and you shouldn't have one, then we're just going to go ask you for it and you're just going to willingly give it up. Uh, They made the right political decision and pulled that from the very first thing, the committee hearing yesterday. There was a group that uh, it was Moms Demand Action was was there. That's the group that uh, Trinity went and and prayed for before they uh, before the Moms Demand Action folks went in. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing I yeah, I can't fathom. Who sits down and thinks. We think it's important to have people background checked, kind of, even though we don't really. But we're going to say we think it's important to have people background checked to have a gun. But while you're waiting on it, sure, go ahead and get a gun. It's, I don't know, it's kind of baffling, but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the thing is, I I think you're right, right? We're not going to change how people, we're not going to change people's views on this. We're not going to change overnight their hermeneutics when it comes to the constitution or the second amendment or the bible but i really do think you know a lot of these things so moms demand action for instance a friend of it's a good friend of ours um kind of runs it here locally and she told us a story recently um one of their recent trips on the capitol they were there and there was a group that came to protest them being there you know kind of guns rights advocates and, you know, they're yelling back and forth. And one lady with Moms Demand Action walked over and just started talking to this guy and said, you know, hey, just thought I'd explain myself. You know, here's what we're you know, here's what we're advocating for. And the guy listened and she listened to him and he said, you know what? I completely agree with you. All right. And so I think you're right. It has become this symbol. It has become an object of reverence. And that has made us unable to step back and have a conversation, right? Um, and so it's made us reactionary. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it is, you know, people listen to the show for a while, know where I stand on things like, you know, let's call everything religion. Like, no, we can't do that. Like, But there are, there are a lot of similarities in, in kind of the devotional aspect, you know? Um, and the kind of what often happens is checking our common sense at the door. Well, and, and it, it, it feels in the, in the modern context, just, you know, trying to be apolitical here. It, it feels that you're either on your side, you know, where we need stronger gun control laws, stronger background checks, you know, I would I would venture to say you would say an assault weapons ban, right? Like yes, yes. civilians don't need AR-15s, uh, although they are fun as hell to shoot. Uh, I, no doubt, practice, right? Yeah, ro- yeah, rocket launchers are pretty fun too. I've shot a grenade launcher; it's, it's amazing. But and not to make light of that, I'm I'm not trying to you know connect that. Um, but on the other side, it, so you've got that point of view, which I definitely understand and and. Um, 
you know, it, it's like when you're when you're, <laughs> you're in a conversation with someone or a debate or an argument, and you say like, "Does that make sense?" Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's such rhetor- rhetorical bullying. <laughs> but that makes sense, and I see what you're saying. On the other side, you've got people saying we need more guns, and if teachers had guns, and if clergy had guns, and if people in government buildings had guns, and people in bars had guns, and I put out a poll on my private Facebook friends group, not in public, just kind of saying like, hey, you know, do you, do you carry in your church or, or does your pastor? And lots and lots of people uh, said that either they carry or the pastor carries or they have a designated person or group of people who carry in their church every Sunday. And this is Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist, but still. So you, you've got that side. You know, kind of the more guns solve the problem. Keep, keep the bad guys honest. Locks are for locks are for honest people. Guns are for the dishonest people. Um, it doesn't feel like there's a, a, a middle line there. Whereas when I was a kid, it always felt, and I'm generalizing and I'm, you know, nostalgia, make America great again type stuff. But it always felt like the the senators and the Congress people, even at the state level. We're kind of working for us to find that middle ground and not rely on the religiosity of guns being this divine thing that you can't touch or either guns being the, the spawn of Satan. And it feels like as our culture has seemingly kind of ripped apart from the middle and polarized, like that voice is gone. And it's, it's, uh, it's either all or nothing on either side. It doesn't feel like anyone has the space in the middle to say like, well, okay, let's have sensible gun control. What does that look like? No, we're not Europe. We're not going to ever be Great Britain where our police officers carry, you know, little batons instead of guns or whatever. Um, but is it going to take us continuing to, <laughs> to slaughter a, a whole generation of, of teenagers and young people? For them to come of age and say, you know what, those Gen Xers and baby boomers and uh, and millennials, like they're full of shit. Like we, we're gonna have some. They offered us up to the slaughter. Yeah, I mean, that's, right. That's, I mean, how, how else do you interpret that if you're a high school student right now and you survived the Parkland shooting? How else do you interpret it other than this shit's been going on since Columbine? Since Columbine, 150,000 students have survived school shootings, in, in and and we're not gonna change that. How else do you interpret it other than you have offered us up. Yeah, and, and these three generations are not going to change that. It's going to take this, you know, post uh, post millennial group, whatever their generation. Be, yeah, um, they're going to be the ones that fix this. Just like Gen X tried to clean up for baby boomers, but we just kind of said, meh. And then <laughs> the millennials are are running rough out over everything and not really thinking about anything. Um, so hopefully Gen Z comes along. But that's that's so fatalist to me, and and I hate that opinion and approach. But man, baby boomers, get your shit together. Please stop, like stop, stop living in the 1970s when everything was great and the cocaine was cheap. Like it, it's, we need something different than what the current leadership of our country is giving us. And that's going to take the ballot box, but I don't think swinging back the other way is going to necessarily help things, you know, in terms of like going radical and, and, uh, you know, saying like, oh, we just we, we need more Democrat senators because I don't I mean, yeah, Ben Sass and there's, a, uh, you know, some great Democratic senators who are stepping up. Camila Harris 
Cory Booker. But for the most part, there's a lot of old white men who aren't saying a lot of, of, of things at this point, and they need to say some things. Yeah, but they're offering their thoughts and prayers. <sighs> yeah. You know what Jesus said about thoughts and prayers in public, right? What's on a big fan, assholes? <laughs> yeah. He did say something about that, didn't he? Something about that. You know, that's in the Bible, you know? Offering up thoughts and prayers in public, beating your chest on Twitter. I think Jesus would have had a real problem with that. I think he would have uh, I think he would have blocked you on Twitter there, Senator. Bye, Felicia. But no, and, and our, you know, our current president's a train wreck of epic proportions in every way, but you know, he's not or his administration, because he's not doing much, his administration's not gonna lead any kind of a charge on this. Um and I, I mean, I'm not saying one side is the answer or not. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the answer as well. But it's, it's has to come from a place where we think about the lives being lost, and we actually read the Constitution for what it says. I mean, Great Britain's not going to come back over here and and try to take us over. Thankfully. Even if they did, we legit have the biggest army in the world. But we need a well-regulated militia. We spend more on our military than we do on what the next like nine or ten countries combined. And yeah, the well-regulated militia is in case, and you know, well-regulated militia is in case the you know the government turns on us. Gets tyrannical. Okay, which you know, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have said they that would ever be an issue, but you know, I mean. But but hey, like yes, I understand. I can understand now um, how some people can think that. All right, we're watching the Waco series, which is fantastic, by the way. Our you know, a couple episodes in, you can understand how people get a certain view of the government. I understand that. But also, yeah, we're a really long way from a well-regulated militia. <laughs> that's not where we are now. So you're saying we're getting like new with our expedition packs and you know our our, our scruffy beards. We're not going to be able to turn back the. Abrams M1 tanks when they come rolling down the street. Right, exactly. You're like, yeah, stockpile all the, you know, AR-15s and AR-15 ammunition and 223s that you want to. But um, yeah, you're still not going to, like, if they want to take you out, they're going to take you out. Like, you know, it's on, that, on the one hand, it's kind of laughable in that regard um, that you think you could stand up to the might of the U.S. military. Um, even if they did become tyrannical and really needed to be overthrown. Um, but, you know, there, there was a shift and, you know, I, I I do feel like a lot of times the conversation kind of immediately goes to the NRA and we haven't immediately gone there. But I do think there was a shift um, that is relevant in the way the NRA was approaching this. And they had this shift, what, a few decades ago, 30, 40 years ago, away from uh, kind of hunters right. And hunting to gun enthusiasts and, um, you know, personal protection. And I think that that has a lot to do with where we are in our current moment. Yes. I, I think the gun has held a place of reverence in this country, uh, since the beginning. Right. I mean, that is how we colonized this land. I don't think there's any other way to, to think about it. Um, you know, it is, it's the, it, you know, it's the cross on our, that, you know, Constantine saw in the sky. Um, 
that's what the gun is for us. It's, it's the symbol that if we put it on, if we see that symbol in the sky, we put that symbol on our uh, regalia, on our um, on our uh, shields. Yeah, that's the symbol that will protect us, right? That that's been the case since uh, just about day one in this country for sure. But I think you know we're you know oh our current moment has a lot to do with that shift and then the the response to that shift. And then that tied into what you pointed out with where we are in the current social and political moment of just this hyperpolarization, right? This intense discomfort with not belonging to a particular tribe. Um, and this discomfort with even entertaining as a live option anything that our tribe does not tell us explicitly that we should believe. Well, and... and... You know, we've been speaking in terms of Americans in the United States, or uh, I, I guess I should say Americans in the United States, you know, in, in our country as a whole. Um, but we, we're we glossing over the, the fact that most of these school shootings are young white males, you know, who, who are disenfranchised, who yeah, that's are radicalized, right. you know, and if this kid's... You know, evidently he was wearing a MAGA hat, Make America Great Again hat, often, and we get picked on about that. And you know, he he was posting on his Instagram all sorts of you know, sort of nationalistic, patriotic type type imagery, and it's really scary because he's not the last. You know, and and when you look at our our current president you can't help but feel that this is being encouraged. And I'm not saying it's, I don't want to go to Godwin's law or already, but it feels like Hitler youth in a way, you know, where, where you've got these disenfranchised young people who white people who don't have jobs. There's an opioid epidemic. There's lots of, you know, it's, uh, lots of disgruntlement being a white male right now and Black Panther just came out and, and all the white people are getting beat up at the theaters. It's a joke. It's not true. Um, it's not a joke. I mean, people are actually posting on Twitter. Like, have you seen that? Like fake pictures of white people getting beat up because they went to the Black Panther movie. I'm like, you fucking asshole. Like, I, I, I love Black Panther. That was a great comic book. I'm, I'm going to go see this movie. I'm really excited. I'm very excited about the movie. I know. Yes. I, I, I mean, I love the whole Marvel universe. I'm a nerd. Whatever. But... We, we keep glossing over that. And when it's, when it's a young white male, it's mental issues. If, if this kid had been brown or black, it, it, it would not have been, it would have been terrorism. And in the first report terrorism. from MSNBC would not have been, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a kid with mental issues. It would have been, oh, well, we're, we're checking now to confirm with the FBI that there's no link to terrorism. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The thing, the other thing that I think we're, that's easy to gloss over is these events like Parkland are the ones that make the news. That's not where most people are dying by guns today. Right? They're dying in domestic violence situations and they're dying by suicide. And so for me, yes, let's, let's deal with assault weapons and let's deal with that and try to obviously try to um, make sure, do what Rick Scott has said he was going to do, but apparently is incapable of doing, 
do everything in our power to make sure this never happens again. Let's absolutely do that. There's no reason in my mind that we can't make this uh, something that never happens again. You know, the largest, richest country in the world, we have the resources. We are just unwilling to put them toward that task. But with that said, we can't do that as good as that is, as necessary as that is, and lose sight of the individuals that are dying on a regular basis, the ones that aren't making the news, right? I mean, you know, it'd be interesting. We did a poll of our listeners to figure out how many have somebody in their family who's um, died by suicide with a gun. I'm going to guess it's not a small percentage, right? I would be in that category. You know, I I think that um, probably the majority of our listeners would be. Uh, You know, it's something we don't talk about. It's this taboo thing for whatever reason. Yes, maybe it's tied to mental health issues. It might be. Um, But the thing is, like, yes, we have these various issues that probably lead to that. But we don't have the monopoly on mental health issues in this country. Right? It is the... And yes, people can try other ways, right? If they want to commit suicide or if they want to, if they in a domestic violence situation, they can grab a knife. Absolutely. Um, these other means are much less effective. Uh, the quote unquote success rate uh, for suicide attempts um, is, which is obviously a horrible way to talk about it, um, is uh, significantly lower for everything other than guns. We don't want people, I don't want people killing themselves in any way, right? But I'm saying there's something we can do and there's this whole other problem that we're largely not talking about and and that I think particularly those on the left that really care about this issue um, are probably part of the reason why is because we get fired up when we have issues, when we have situations like Pulse, LA, Sandy Hook, Parkland. But Emmanuel, yeah, Mother Emmanuel. Um, but then it then that our passion fades, and all we care about is the kind of the big newsworthy splashes, right? Uh, when we actually begin to care about, you know, our fellow human beings um, on an individual basis, then that's when we can potentially actually start making a difference here, right? And saving lives. And yes, that may mean that hopefully means that we decrease the number of mass shootings and school shootings that we see, but we're going to, we're going to save a lot more lives if we focus on these other things too. Well, and it, it doesn't help that we have religious leaders now who push things like Christian slash family values as something that involves violence, whether that's, having a security team with guns or, you know, locking the doors during service. Like, I understand, I understand the, the difficulties involved in that. I mean, you know, my, my partner's had threats against her. Um, and we've had to make that decision before about like, well, are you going to show up to preach this Sunday? Cause you know, you, you get this threat for, for, um, marrying two gay people and uh, it, at the same time 
I really do look to the churches and 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 the synagogues and the and the ashrams and the mosques as our our last hope, our our last firewall. Um, because our our democracy is not doing its job, and our leader, our political leaders are not doing their job of protecting their citizens. And I know their their first job is to uphold the constitution, and I support that. Um, but when they use the constitution as a tool to enable this type of rampant nationalism uh, in the name of getting elected so that they can get more money from the NRA. Like that, that doesn't hold water for me, but, our, but our churches, whether it's, you know, Jerry Falwell or whether it's, you know, the mainline Episcopal church or, you know, whatever, like it, we're not, it's hard to say that we're doing our job um, when people aren't turning to the church as, a voice in all this craziness. And, you know, we kind of feed more fire into the, the Moloch pit. So for, for me, I, I think that, you know, as, as religious organizations, nonprofits, churches, whatever out there, like they have to do a much better job about expressing, you know, what, what is biblical from the, from the Torah or, or from the New Testament or, or from the Quran um, in a way that, that engages the public and helps find a path so that violence is not the hermeneutic of our country in the 21st century, because that only leads to destruction. And like you said, I mean, this is, this is not a rare occurrence. And domestic violence is not a rare occurrence. And so much of it is tied to people who are affiliated with religious institutions and organizations or political ones. But our church leaders and our church administrators have to, to me, like start leading the way in, in, a, in a very clear and concise manner. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You know, I mean, it's... um pretty simple not easy but it is simple well especially you know when you when you have a situation where so much i mean I, I, we work with a lot of churches and religious religious institutions and so much of their internal messaging and policy is determined by the wealthiest donor <laughs> and oftentimes those are not the people that have the best understanding of nukes or, or what have you. And that can get very murky. And like you said, there's a tendency among white male leadership to say, let's not rock the boat. I mean, let's go a little slow. We don't want to push things because, you know, we might alienate someone. Um, nowhere else is that more evident than in the CBF, which I'm a part of. But I would like to hope that as we continue through the 21st century, we can start to change our ways, like Tupac said, not to, not to be normative. I, I, I've been listening to, to Tupac since 1995, so. And we're about to get a, new, a, new, a really good new movie too, right? Oh, Tupac and Biggie. It's, it's going to killing me. Um, you know, see what I'm saying? Like, 
I mean, I, do you agree or disagree that like? Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm taking a drink. So no, I, I yes, I, I I agree with what you're saying. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think the obviously I think the hermeneutics are important. I think that that's something that we don't talk enough about. I mean, I've said on the show a lot. I have. I particularly, we talk about pastors a lot. I hold them to a very high standard and a lot of them learn a lot of good stuff in seminary and divinity school. And the minute they get that diploma, they walk out the door and they throw it all away. It's for job security. All right. Exactly. Um, That's a problem. Um, That's what people like me and Sam are here for, (laughs) to hold their feet to the (laughs) fire, to give you what you're not getting in church sometimes. I I mean, every, every pastor should be talking about this. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's it's not a it's not a political issue that you need to keep out of your church. And I'm the last person in the world to tell people to push um politics from, from the pulpit. Because I like to take a you know, a bigger approach to things. But this is uh this is something we, we need to talk about, especially because it involves our children. So anyway. That's that's my two cents on that. Um any any final thoughts on so where do we um where do we go from here right i mean we can't just do all this work and all this thought in the aftermath right we have to do work leading up to it we've got to read the bible for one (laughs) that's all you gotta do just start with the gospel of john just read the bible um yeah i mean do what we're trying to tell you to do hold your pastor's feet to the fire, hold your uh, rabbi and imam's feet to the fire. Your, your, um, your Maharishi, you know, whatever you, you subscribe to hold their feet to the fire and don't, don't allow, um, complacency and, and the flat circle of time to, you know, to, to drive the narrative because our violence is, the hermeneutic right now or our hermeneutic is, is violence right now and we we've got to we've got to change that and our politicians aren't going to do it so in 2018 go vote don't boo vote don't retweet you know trump vote and um let's let's get back on the right path let's get on the right path i don't think we ever on the right path. Sadly, we're on the right path clearly you can help us do that me yeah, you. I got nothing for you, but I do have something. I had nothing before. I don't even have anything worth myself any anymore. Bob Dylan. Um, who's a terrible person, by the way? Oh man, I didn't. I didn't realize what. It, I, my my whole life is a sham. Bono, Bob Dylan, terrible. Anyway, blah. Um, we, we'll get into that next time. Um, so I'm, I'm starting a new podcast, and you're going to be on there, and you're going to be on there, and, and you were there, and you were the Tin Man. Uh, but but you're going to be on there. And um, right now it's called Geek Testament. And I guess it's going to be called Geek Testament because I'm telling you about it. So if you're gonna... <laughs> it's still in beta, you know. I don't know. I'm, I'm we're going to pull it to the and uh, you know, put it in beta for the next five years. <laughs> we're going to uh, we're gonna run it by some A-B testing, split A-B testing. Um, yeah, so if you go to geektestament.com, you'll, you'll find a little description there about what we're doing. So there was the Old Testament, there's the New, the New Testament. And I have the Geek Testament. And the whole idea is I, I love the Bible. 
um, I'm a Christian. I read it through a Christian lens, but this is going to be something that's not confessional. Uh, so it's more of a kind of what you would get like in a mainline Protestant Sunday school class. I love it. This is not confessional. It's what you would get in a mainline Sunday school class. It's like a milk toast uh, Methodist Sunday school class, you know? Like it, awesome. it's kind of, it, I'm, I'm sure I will be confessional because that's who I am. Uh, but it, it's just mostly just, you know, we're, we're going to be looking at, at, at the text from my perspective. I'm sorry. Uh, but it's going to be sort of from a, a, a mostly historical, but also a little bit of theological perspective. Um, I'm a white male. I'm cisgender. I uh, have, have all those privileged things working for me. So yeah. Heteronormative. Maybe not heteronormative. You know what the, <laughs> perhaps. Um, but, um, you know, so those things we'll read into it. And, and we're going to talk about that as, as we read the text. And we're going to start with Acts. And we're going to go through Acts, every verse. And this is going to take a hell of a lot of time. And I've already gotten most of the first four episodes done. Uh, so if you go to Geek Testament over the weekend, uh, you'll see those. They'll be up on iTunes by next week. Um, just trying to make sure I was able or uh, not able, but but willing and able to uh, hop in and, and do this because it's going to be quite the undertaking. So we're going to start with Acts. And we're going to go through all the parts of Acts, and they're going to flip back to the Book of the Twelve or the Minor Prophets, and uh, and go through those in the Old Testament. Then we're going to flip forward back into the New Testament and go through. Um, I, I'm thinking some some first, second Peter stuff, and then we're going to flip back to the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible or or the Tanakh, and do some uh, do some work over in the Old Testament on the Deuteronomistic history. And kind of get back and forth like that, and by the end after probably three years we'll have read, we'll have read I was gonna say when you retire yeah so I'm, I'm thinking you know it's mostly every week it's going to be a new episode and we're going to do probably one two three chapters trying to keep it down to 30 minutes or so uh so just kind of a fun you know Sunday school um you know hey have you ever read acts Let, let's dive down into acts there's, there's some fun stuff in there and the, they're very evergreen so it, it it's not I'm not going to be talking about Trump or Twitter or or you know the, the current NASCAR race. It's going to be very um very evergreen, in in the regards that you can pick it up and put it down anytime you want to or need to. Or you could just you know pull out the the segment that we do on on Amos and Hosea because those will be three or four episodes a piece at least. Um, so anyway, that's that's kind of the the announcement that I was teasing there on Twitter earlier today. But I hope folks will like it and. Uh, We'll see. So the, the intro will be up this week or probably by tomorrow. Yeah, this weekend. Today's Friday. And uh, the rest of the stuff will start rolling out next week. And I like it. I think it'll be fun. It's going yeah, to be a lot of fun. I'll jump on there from time to time. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. So, uh, you know, mostly because uh, I, I don't want to burden anyone with having to read the Bible with me and, and <laughs> going through. God knows our, our Bible challenge was a slog. But people evidently liked it. People so evidently liked it and wanted another one. I know. What was that? Matthew. Yeah. On Openstein on, yeah. Yeah, on, on Twitter tonight. Um, geez, That's don't, a dedicated don't listener, man. I know. Thank you, Matthew. Um, he's got a great Twitter handle, too. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, there are going to be episodes where people come on. Um, Thomas, I'll probably drag Marianne into it. There's some other fans of this show and, and fans of, of some other stuff I do out in the, the other part of my life 
I want to drag into this and just kind of get them to reflect on things, but also kind of provide a, a that same feel to every show. So even though there'll there'll be different perspectives, it'll be kind of um, you know the, the the same feel if that makes sense. So it's it's not like an interview show. Like hey, so what do you think about Axe? Oh, I think Axe is great. You know, you got Peter and Paul, and you know, like this is a little more Mary, right? <laughs> She's in the first part. Um, so yeah, I think it's gonna be fun. All the stuff you didn't learn, all the, uh, the the Sunday school you didn't learn in Sunday school. That's a good tagline. All the Sunday school you didn't learn in yeah. Sunday school. Uh, all right, that'll be fun. So definitely um, get that in your podcatcher. Um, subscribe for iTunes. Go to geektestament.com. I mean, this is the quality content that Sam and I continue to put out. I mean, this is episode 140 of Thinking Religion. 140. Man, that's commitment. <laughs> and people that's still a lot listen. of podcasting. And we make no money yeah. from it. And it's not. And like you, you're starting this show. You got you started thinking Baptist back yeah. up um, with another Baptist. Since I'm not Baptist anymore. We, <laughs> we had to kill that, that, but now I brought it back. <laughs> yes, we brought that back. And we've done politics shows. We've done tech shows. I mean, man, if we added up the hours that that I mean, we podcasted together. I mean. What you've done alone would obviously dwarf mine, but we've done a lot of podcasting over the years. Yeah, I mean, people think of podcasting as a new thing, but we've been doing yeah. this since 2009. Oh, yeah, we did find that. Yeah, Sam yeah, found in the archives the first show, the first episode. That's, um... Yeah, we talked about yeah, the Pope. We're going to wait for a proper <laughs> listen we did not like- to that over a good bottle of bourbon um, one evening. Yeah, we did yeah. not like Benedict. And, and you can have that if you send us some money at patreon.com slash thinking religion. You can, you can listen with us. We, we will Skype you in if you send us $100. We will Skype you in to the, to wow. the, the night that that's, Thomas uh, and I that's cheap. all of bourbon. I mean, you can get <laughs> different can levels, right? If, you know, uh, get a VIP level where you can fly down and oh, come yeah. hang out with us in person yeah. while we do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you know, that's that's the that's that's a 10k yeah. level. I mean, we're talking about you know President Trump at the Playboy <laughs> Mansion level. But I'm yeah. down for that. Both of those. Um, <sighs> as Sam, uh, Sam mentioned earlier, uh, we got some teases out on Twitter every now and then. Check us out there. That's where all of our best content is. Sam's at Sam Harrelson. I'm at Thomas Whitley. You can always find this great podcast at Thinking.fm. And you can listen to the rest of the show that we're going to do now for probably another hour if you give us your money at patreon.com slash thinking religion. We love you. Have a great weekend.